This is Audible. Okay, we both know that's not true. This is actually Stacy with episode 118 of Exactly Enough Time. think from its title, this is a podcast about productivity. And while I do love to rock a day and get stuff done, exactly enough time is much more about being present. It's about recognizing the time you have and making the most of it. It's about choosing to be playful and living with intention, curiosity, and connection. It's about owning what you love and bringing more of whatever that is into your life. In this podcast, I tell stories and I interview interesting and inspiring people like my sister, Hillary. Stay tuned. Hey, podcast friends. How are you? So right up front, I'm going to apologize for my voice. Turns out I wore a mask for over a year, took it off for about a week and got sick. Yeah, I don't feel super good, but... I'm still here and I have an awesome episode to share with you. Here's the other thing that is true. When I started this podcast, one of the reasons was so that I could reach out to people I love and admire and learn something more of them and share their expertise and insight with listeners. I wanted to record conversations with important people and for me, Some of the most important people on the planet are a part of my family. So today on the show, I have with me Hillary Hall. She is married to my brother Cougar, who, by the way, I interviewed for episode 45. I say later in the program that it was episode 44, but it's episode 45. How cool is it that I've been doing this long enough that I truly lose track of what has been done already and what number it is. So anyway, you guys, Hillary, here's the thing that's so cool. There are so many things that are cool about Hillary, but I love Hillary's expertise when it comes to the world of libraries and literacy and learning and finding and enjoying really good books. When I need a new book to read, I often ask Hillary for a recommendation like this one. Simon & Schuster Audio presents Anxious People, a novel by Frederick Bachman, read by Marin Ireland. So I actually started this book about a month ago, and then I got kind of busy and set it aside. And during my conversation with Hillary, I remembered that my most recent book is another recommendation from her. So I think you're going to really enjoy listening in on our conversation. Hillary is a teacher librarian at her local middle school. She is a wealth of information. She shares some really fantastic resources and books that you can add to your summer reading list. After you listen, you will find everything that we talk about linked in the show notes at stacyjulian.com. And one more thing, this episode is longer than usual for me, and that is because next week I am going to be with my family on vacation. I'm going to be sitting on a beach reading. So take your time working your way through my conversation with Hillary and know that I will be back in two weeks. Okay, thanks for listening. Enjoy. 
Okay, you guys, I am now on the line with Hillary Hall. Hi, Hillary. Hello. Okay, so Hillary, I don't know if you know this. One of the reasons I started was to interview the most important people. And you are one of the most important people. So I'm so tickled to have you on my show today. You guys, I already said this, but Hillary is my sister. She's my sister through marriage. She is married to my brother Cougar, who I believe I interviewed in episode 44. And I'm so thrilled to have you on today with me. So I want you to start by introducing yourself. Tell me about your family and I don't know, maybe some of your hobbies. Um, okay, so a little bit about me. I am married to Stacy's brother, Cougar. And we've been married for almost 25 years, which is a little crazy to think about. It's totally crazy. Uh, we have four kids, uh, two boys. Uh, Peyton's 22, Julian is 20. Uh, two girls, Parley is almost 17, and Delaney's 13. So they are growing up a lot. And yeah. Um, I am a teacher librarian at Frontier Middle School in Eagle Mountain, Utah. And hobbies, um, well, I do like to read, but I also like to, um, to ride a mountain bike sometimes and hike with my dog. And I like to take naps. (laughs) Yes, me too. (laughs) Okay. But for years you made jewelry. So many of my listeners will know you as my sister who makes jewelry. And, and for one of my classes way back when, at the end of the class, you designed a bracelet, right? And yes, people bought it. It was like their token of like, I finished. So yeah, anyway. that was a lot of fun. And yeah. that was really, um, beads are just really fun and addicting. Um, the color, the putting colors together and wearing them. And um, so beading is a lot of fun and something that I have enjoyed for a really long time. And I put it down kind of aside for a little while since I started working again full time. But my daughter, Parley, has taken up the cause and she loves to make things and um, find out the different properties of different gemstones. And so that's been a fun thing to pass on. That's awesome. Well, and you have a gift for that. I mean, I I have, you know, once you started making jewelry, then sometimes I would go to different fairs or whatever and look for something. And it was hard for me to find something that was put together like Hillary would do it. So I have a few very special Hillary made pieces that I treasure for sure. Um, okay, I have to say one more story because you just started listing your kids and you're like, Peyton is 22. Okay, this is kind of a fun memory that I will always have of you and Cougar. Um, I had two children already and we were getting together for Thanksgiving and this is probably back in like the mid 90s. And you told us you were pregnant. And I was so excited and I thought, okay, I want to have another baby. (laughs) So I just, you know, it's just fun that I planned one of my children basically because you were going to have a baby as well. And Peyton and Trey or Pay and Trey were born 10 days apart. So September 22nd and October 2nd, I will always remember Peyton's birthday because Trey actually came two weeks late and I think Peyton came about two weeks early. Yep. Yep. Okay. And they're just cute. And they, and they're both down and they're both going to Brigham Young University and they hang out sometimes. And it's just really fun. I just love the whole idea of cousins. So anyway, super fun. Okay. Hillary, aside from just getting to know you and letting my listeners get to know you a little bit, I've always loved your, your interest in your desire for your, um, your intelligence around just 
yeah, education, history, reading, all of it. So I want you to back up and tell me a little bit about, tell us about your education, maybe your career path. And then you already said what you're doing currently, but how did you get there? Okay. Um, yeah, that's a great question. And I didn't know where I would arrive right now. And of course, we're never finished. Things right. may evolve and change. But um, at Brigham Young University, I wasn't really sure what I wanted my major to be. So this is going back pretty far. And um, I had an English professor that I really, really enjoyed. And I also found out that she taught a world history of civilization class with her husband and another professor. And I thought that was a really cool thing. So I took that class with my good friend, old roommate, um, Jen, and we took it together and it was kind of hard. It was an honors class and I wasn't really an honors student. (laughs) The title of the class was man's use and misuse of resources over time. I thought this is interesting for a history class, but it really pushed me into thinking how people use each other as resources, um, either through slavery or through um, the way we they lead groups yeah. and situations of people, how humans use the environment as a resource, misuse or use, you know, huh. the environment. So it's a very interesting way to look at history. And I immediately changed my major to oh. history. <laughs> no way. So it was really, really great. And um, I decided that I wanted to be a teacher and that I wanted to be a history teacher. So I went on that path and needed to choose a minor. And I had loved sports in high school and enjoyed exercise and decided to be a PE coaching minor. Cool. And that's where I met Cougar because he was also a PE coaching minor. And now neither of us do that. <laughs> I know. To make a long story short, I I graduated in that and worked um, as a part-time teacher for about 19 years for Alpine School District in different capacities, sometimes at the alternative high school where I was trying to coach and tutor students who were struggling to finish high school, Mm -hmm. sometimes for adults who were trying to get their GEDs a little later in life. Mm -hmm. Also later when the online curriculum started to come to the forefront, I, I created a history curriculum for them, but it was, I remember, yeah, I remember you did it. You actually wrote the curriculum, which is so cool. Okay. Keep going. Sorry. No. So that, those were good part-time things to do as a mom, um, raising kids. As you know, Cougar is an amazing teacher. People love to just go to his class. They'll bring their family members to one of his BYU classes because he's just captivating. I am not a captivating teacher. So I thought if I ever go back and, and work full-time in education, which I love, it's got to be in a capacity where I'm working one-on-one with students. Um, I'm coaching, mentoring, teaching, but not in front of a large group because that yeah. isn't my forte. I've always loved books. I love history. I love um, the library experience, and I can mm-hmm. talk about that later. I just knew it's a very competitive job because a lot of people want to do it. Um, and the opportunity came up for me to take classes online through SUU to get my library science endorsement. And then the golden job opened up in my neighborhood junior high where they needed a teacher librarian. So you needed to have that teaching piece and then an endorsement in library science. And they let me finish that, uh, endorsement while I was working. So while I start, when I started that job five years ago. Wow. Walk me through just kind of, I know every day is going to be different, but, but how would you um, summarize your job description? You're in, you're in the elevator with me for 30 seconds. Give me your 30 second. This is what I do spiel. Sure. Okay. So it's an ever evolving job as technology becomes more important. So we try to prepare kids for 
life in the 21st century, um, Mm -hmm. try to help them be literate in print materials, online resources, learn how to navigate the digital world, as well as resources that they read physically as well. Day to day, I um, work with students to find things that interest them. I work with teachers to provide books for their students and also to help teachers navigate how to teach their students to find good resources for their research. I also develop a, a collection of books that are appropriate for that age while not censoring books due to my own preferences, but something that's really important to me to provide a wide range and a diverse range of books. And I do have my own homeroom. So I have one class of kids that are with me all the time. I have some teaching assistants that help me. Um, I have book clubs and I like to have activities at school, after school, during lunch and during our flex time where kids can um, do some enrichment activities in the library. So activity coordinator, creating a collection of books, keeping those books from getting trashed by students. <laughs> wow. I mean, that's, that's, thank you. I'm actually glad I asked that question because I don't know. I know that you have specialized skills and I've always just had such a fondness for libraries. So why, why do, li- this is my next question. Why do you think libraries matter? Why are we so fond of them and why do they matter? How, how can we love them better and su- support this, this idea of this culture that is around libraries. I was just thinking about my first memories of libraries in my little town growing up. I don't know if you remember your mom taking you to the library, but I remember the smell, Mm -hmm. the big um, checkerboard with the huge pieces my sister and I would play Uh where the, um, you know, the board books were and the different um, chapter books that I wanted to read and going back to the same specific ones over and over again. And I remember there was a fireplace. I mean, I don't know how I remember all these things, but it's a very fond memory for me of just a a place of community. I know it still is for a lot of people. And I take that for granted because I had that experience growing up. But for a lot of people that don't have internet in their homes, don't have access uh, to, to digital materials or print materials at home, libraries are still very, very important. And in the time of COVID, that has been taken away from a lot of people. And I'm Mm -hmm. so excited to bring that back. So really a community center. Our Eagle Mountain Library here in uh, Utah, they even give out um, lunches on certain days of the week during the summer for kids. Oh. Because we're, you know, when school's closed, um, that's a need in our community. There's all kinds of programs, reading programs, outreach programs, all kinds of different um, ways that libraries are used. As we become more reliant on technology, the need for a community space becomes greater because we're—it's a human need in us. Yeah, my opinion. We take we take it for granted, and and it's missed when it's not there. And we and we definitely did sense that or feel that during COVID. I I agree a hundred percent. What what is it about our amazing brains? You know, I just had this image, you know, almost open up before me, and I pictured Mr. McKay, who was the librarian at Kenmore Elementary, where I went to school, and. I just remembered how much I loved going to the library, you know, and like sometimes choosing to spend recess in the library, you know, just, just being really feeling really proud of myself when I had returned a book that I had read. So, so, so fun. So you asked me to ask you this and I'm so intrigued by it, but I want to talk a little bit more now about literacy as our world becomes more of a global community 
you know, literacy is something that we that we all need to better understand. So I want you to talk to me about what it actually means. You know, what can we do to improve and sort of enhance and encourage literacy first in our homes and then then in our communities? In a traditional sense, literacy is basically the ability to read and write. Right. So, but really it's also how we make sense of what we read and write and how we engage with what we see and what we read. It's the, it's the part where we comprehend and we retain. Um, mm. So that's really important. And I heard this really cool quote about, I'm going to paraphrase it, about adolescence. You know, I work with um, seventh and eighth graders. And as they enter the adult world in the 21st century, they're going to read and write more than any other time in human history. I thought that was really interesting. That is um, interesting. And they will need advanced levels of literacy to perform their jobs, run their households, act as citizens, and conduct their personal lives. That is kind of from a study that I read. And I thought that was really interesting that we think that we're reading less, but because we have screens in our face and other things that we're constantly trying to process, Mm. we are actually reading more and trying to make sense of more information. That is true. That's totally true. Yeah, it is very interesting. So it's not that we have to put away technology, but we really have to learn how to glean the right things and, uh, and process what we need to. And sometimes yeah. it's ignoring what we don't need to <laughs> right? It's kind of hard as well. And, and I feel like that's one of the roles of librarians in schools too, is to help students navigate that. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. Well, and now I'm going to interject really quick because it's so interesting because managing distraction, if I look at what I do and what I've done in the past, whether I'm doing it for work or, or whether I'm just doing it for a personal project, or I'm just trying to, to study something, you know, like even in scripture or whatever it is, it's managing the distraction. And, and I think our, our kids are experiencing that at younger and younger ages. And that is actually the way you just described it to me. That's literacy. Literacy, being able to engage, right? Or disengage and, and choose, you know, what you want to focus your attention on. That's all part of it, right? Absolutely. There's just more that you, your brain has to do <laughs> to sift through everything that you're seeing, hearing, uh, reading, in this, you know, digital age. Yeah. I don't want to say that, you know, that, um, technology is bad because it really isn't. We just have to train our brains mm-hmm. and to find, uh, what's important and, and prioritize how we use it. But I did ask some of my library friends, what would you share? You know, if you're in my position talking about literacy, we aren't necessarily born as readers. Our parents really help us to yeah. become readers at an early age. If you think about a book, how did you learn how to hold it as a child? How to, how to turn the page, whether it was right side up or upside down, you know, you, you mm-hmm. the page from the right and you bring it to the left. That's not something that you inherently would know. It's something that a parent or a caregiver did for you at an early age. And that's something that, that moms and grandmoms and can really help their, their kids and grandkids learn is by at an early age, exposing them to book. Mm-hmm. So early introduction and having a caring adult who introduces in the books, two books are one of the, are two of the most important things that can help someone become a reader and, and becoming a reader can happen at different times. Uh, my 13 year old didn't show much interest in reading and, and, and with some required reading in elementary school, we, we read them together, man, we got through some books that neither of us liked very much. <laughs> 
it's interesting. She's choosing poetry books on her own and she has, you know, and it kind of comes and goes different interests. And we can talk a little bit about that, how to discover uh, what you're interested in. It's really um, exposing them to reading, them seeing you read, sharing what you're reading, talking about those books that can really help without forcing it down their throats. Well, and again, thinking back to my youth, um, childhood and youth, I, some of my happiest memories are going on vacations where I walked or went on a bike ride with my mom. She would tell me about the book she was reading. We'd start on a, a bike ride and she'd say, okay, where did we leave off yesterday? And so I always knew that my mom read really cool books. And, you know, and, I, and I don't know that I thought anything beyond that, but it was just a time of connection <clears throat> between she and I. And that has to have something to do, you know, with, with my love of learning, you know, later in life, it, it was just modeled for me. And then I was just thinking too, while you were talking, I'm, I'm a new grandma. So we have, I have a little granddaughter and she, she isn't, she's starting to form words, but you can say to her, go get a book. And she just so cute. She just pitter pats around the corner and she's gone, you know, and you can hear her moving things around and then she comes back out and she's holding a book. That's yeah. already something that she identifies with before she even has the ability to speak. So I love it. And that's a, it's a great way to bond. Anything else about literacy? Cause I kind of interjected. I didn't know if I cut you off or are there other things that you were going to share from your colleagues or. Okay. So there's just one more thing I wanted to mention on the topic of libraries. Cause my biggest experience is in a junior high library yeah. um, is that junior high is a hard place and time <laughs> of life. One of the most important roles that I play is a safe place for anybody to come. I work in a school that is all seventh and eighth grade. There's uh, over 1400 students. And there are times when it's really overwhelming. It's very loud. And it's a great place to just take a deep breath. I really find that it is a necessary thing for for kids that get overstimulated or that just need a little break or are not sure where to go or who to sit by. Mm -hmm. And um, I am grateful that I can be that place for those kids. No, that is that is powerful. I'm I'm so glad you're the librarian, Hillary. Thank you. <laughs> I I just remember those years. I wouldn't. You couldn't. I always say this to my kids. You couldn't give me a million bucks, right, to go back and do seventh and eighth grade again. This is it's tough for everybody, no matter who you are. Is, yeah. is what I choose to believe. So okay. So now I kind of want to talk about like specific resources. You mentioned this both in my role as grandma and my role as mom. I'm still a mom. For some reason, summer always feels like yay. I'm going to have time to read. So you can get as specific as you want. Help me in in all of my roles and just me, myself, choose books, engage more in reading. Talk to me about that. Does that make any sense what I'm asking? Absolutely. And, you know, for kids too, like you said, mom, it was always hard to, you know, to have this requirement. You You need to read 20 minutes a day and it can feel forced. And that is really hard. I think that if you read together, that's helpful. Read on road trips, listen to books on road trips. That's always really helpful. I have some good memories with my boys of listening to Old Yeller as we travel to maybe Spokane. <laughs> I had a captive audience. And when it's like, okay, you're going to put down your you know, Nintendo DS or whatever, and we're going to listen to this. And they would get into it. And it was awesome. We all It was a shared experience. Mm-hmm. It was helpful. Um, if you want your kids to read during the summer, you can say, okay, go read in the hammock for 20 minutes. Go mm. that blanket fort for five minutes and then go take a popsicle and read for 10 more. You know, things like that for younger kids are really helpful as well. But if you want to read more yeah. <laughs> as, as an adult, there's 
some pretty cool online resources as well. I was talking to one librarian who was gifted a subscription that allows her to get a book and then like these cute little presents that go with it. And you get to open a present when you get to like page 22 that corresponds to something happening in the book. And they have these, not just for kids, but for adults. I thought that was the coolest thing ever. I'm like, oh, she said, I'm a librarian. I love to read, but man, I was so excited to get into that book. And it was just something that like her sister-in-law had given her for her birthday. So it's an actual, like a subscription, kind of a gift. Yeah. Comes in the mail. Like a monthly thing. And it's called Once Upon a Book Club. I want to look that up online and we can create a, a source list afterwards of some of the things I talk yeah. about. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I can put anything you give me, I can put in the show notes. That's awesome. That's a lot of fun. There's also ones called Owl Crate. Like an oh, yeah. toot owl, Owl Crate. Okay. Kids, and one called Fairy Loot, which is like fantasy books for young adults. So these companies are coming up with these ideas to help engage readers a little bit more and, and make it fun. So those are some things you can do. Okay. See, I do love that. I feel like there's so many different kits and subscriptions for whatever you love to do. You could do that for a child too, right? You could totally just find a book that you've read, you know, either as a young person and put little notes in it or little that they can come to you after they've read this part of the book and you could give them a treat or a certain something that will make the book come more to life. Like that's just a really cool concept. You could easily do that. A lot of fun. Okay. And now I kind of want to go, (laughs) I love to think of myself as a reader, Hillary, but I'm just going to be vulnerable and say kind of I'm not. I always want to be that person that is like into reading really cool fiction and can I don't know, have a cool conversation over lunch about, you know, specific authors or books. And I actually tend to be more of a nonfiction reader. And if I'm being totally honest, I fall asleep 10 minutes after I start reading anything. Um, Talk to me just kind of about genres, different types of books and different types of people or what you've learned about that. Sure. Um, It's, it's hard to know, especially who I work with 12 and 13 year olds up to 14, because if they aren't really interested in reading. They don't know where to start and it seems overwhelming. So I'll just talk about that age first and then maybe, you know, adults too. often we'll ask them, what kind of TV shows do you like? Oh. <laughs> What's your favorite superhero? Do you like superheroes? You know, do you like sports or sports stories? Do you, those types of things. And then yeah. you can get a conversation going on just what they're interested in. And then you can point them um, in a direction. And for readers that are reluctant, I try to find something that's not overwhelming. That's not too long. And okay. it's like, I would like to read, but I have a hard time having a book hold my attention for a long time. Maybe we start with the book of short stories or essays. Anthologies are a good way to start because there's stories on a topic by different authors. Yeah. For a lot of junior high kids, the go-to's to say, oh, have you read Rick Riordan's books? Oh, Those yeah. are um, some mythology, but, you know, fantasy. Or have you read Harry Potter? And some students are put off by that, or they don't feel like they're in that club because right. they've never read those. So <laughs> there are resources where you can type in certain books' names, uh-huh. and then it will give you read-alikes. So it's a little bit like Netflix. Oh. After you watch something like, oh, you would probably like this next novel list well you can put that in our you know okay the resources list later it's a huge database that your 
your public library or school library will provide, you would have to go to your library's website to access it. Okay. You can put in um, some of your preferences or types of book you like, those types of things. It can be very, it can get very specific. I like World War II books set in Lithuania with a strong female character, you know, things like that. You can just wow. really, really specific, but you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> so that's, that's something that we have in our library on our researcher computers that a student can go up to the researcher, type in an author's name. You can see what we have by that author, but also other books like that that you might consider. But I really think that at that age, finding something with humor is always good. Finding yeah. a character they can relate to. Um, mm-hmm. Still, Diary of a Wimpy Kid is one of our most checked out books, but there are others that that's, that can be like a gateway book into something <laughs> a yeah. little bit more meaty, and that's great too. Yeah. So that's kind of some places to start. For adults, another great resource is Goodreads. Goodreads is a great resource because it will give you ideas of things that are popular if you just want to find something that's um, popular right now. A lot yeah. of people ask questions. Is this appropriate for a teenager? Does this have lots of swear words? You can find some of that information there as well. Um, another thing I wanted to mention, another resource is uh, commonsensemedia.org. Oh, okay. That's an awesome resource to get reviews of books um, for kids, but also for you and for movies, video games, all kinds of things. They'll tell you what so age it's for. Yeah. And that, I use that a lot in my library to see if um, certain books are, are ones that should be in my library for 12, 14 year olds. Okay. So just curious, this is what I want to know from the librarian's lips. Okay. Okay. Does Audible count? Absolutely. Does it? Okay. Because <laughs> I do love Audible. And what I, what I think is so fascinating about just my brain, I'm, I'm sure this is true of other people, is I can go a couple of weeks without listening to the book, right? And be like, oh, I got to get back into my book. And it doesn't take very long. You know, I rewind it 30 seconds. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I know exactly where I was. Well, I wanted but, to mention that Audible is really awesome because you buy it and you have it forever. But yeah. if it's not accessible due to the price, you can yeah. get audiobooks for free in a lot of different places. But most easily would be through your public library and a library yes. can help you if you have a hard time navigating that. Overdrive is one of the biggest purveyors of audiobooks, and yep. usually your library will have an overdrive system. These days, uh, for public libraries, it's called Libby. So they kind of have a public library portal called Libby, an app, oh. and then they have one for school libraries called Sora. And oh. they're pretty easy to navigate, and um, you can find all kinds of good stuff there. Sometimes you have to wait for it because it does have to be put on hold if it's a, a popular book, but yeah, it's a great way to get free ones. But I do love Audible because sometimes I'm like, man, I am not waiting two months for that. I got to have that now. <laughs> I'm so glad you brought that up. I want to put all of these in the show notes, all of these resources. Okay, so now I'm just dying to know in the last few minutes, do you have uh, some specific summer favorites? And it can be for... Kids, teens, people like me. Okay. What do you think? What do you think, librarian? Got some good summer reads for me? I do have some reads. It kind of depends on what you like. You may like some of this or not like it, but one book that stands out to me that I've read in the last year, I actually read it last summer, is called American Dirt by um, Janine Cummins. Okay. And I like it because it has opened my eyes a lot. Books can be windows and they can be mirrors so they can be a window to see the experiences of others but they can also reflect 
your experience back to you and, and know that somebody understands how you feel, someone in a similar situation as you. That's wow. why books are so important. Okay. And American Dirt really opened my eyes to um, uh, immigrants coming to the United States and what they might be going through to get to the United States and why. So mm-hmm. it's a gritty book of a woman trying to flee um, Acapulco that used to be a resort town, but is run by drug cartels now. So oh. it's fiction, but it's realistic fiction. Uh, and I, I really thought it was a great book and that I wow. do. It was as an audiobook. Okay. Um, but I just have to repeat that. You just said this most profound thing. You said books can be windows and mirrors. Yep. You're just, you're kind of blowing me away. I love it. Books can be windows and mirrors. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay. Keep going. Give me your next idea. Awesome. So something that's a little bit lighter, which I did like, and I know it has become a series on TV somewhere, but it's called Big Little Lies by Leanne Moriarty. And it's so interesting because the whole book, you know, a crime has taken place, a little bit of a mystery, but you don't know what the crime is, who the victim is. And how it happened until the very end. I know that sounds crazy, but there does. It sounds almost impossible. <laughs> but it's it's pretty funny. It takes place in Australia. She's an Australian author. And when I listen to it again, another audiobook, the accent, I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> it's serious, but it's also cute and heartwarming and more just, you know, that would be a good summer read. So that is a good one. Um, Eleanor Oliphant is completely fine. This is by Gail Honeyman. Hilarious. It's just, there are serious aspects. It talks about mental illness. Um, this woman, I can't tell you a whole lot. <laughs> uh, living alone and, and how she processes information and what, you know, sad things that are ha- that have happened in her life and how she's dealt with them. It's poignant, but also cute and funny. And I just love books that combine all of those aspects. You can tell I read a lot of um Realistic fiction, but also I really love historical fiction as well. Yeah. That that just came to mind. Um, Oh, I love it. Yeah. Well, and are you the one, I feel like you might be, because honestly, you've given me several recommendations over the years and without fail, I have loved every book you've told me to read, Hillary. Good. I feel like you told me to read A Man Called Uva. You just recently told me to read Anxious People. Yes. Which is the same author. So I am listening to that on Audible right now, and I love it. I mean, and it, I feel like when you talked about the the book that talks about the crime, but you don't know who, what the crime is or who the victim is. It's I feel like it's a little bit like that, and and you're just you're 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 thinking there's there's a plot developing, but you don't know what it is. I obviously that's true in every book, but anyway, I'm totally loving anxious people. So can I give you a couple of nonfiction? Yes, please. Okay. We're going to talk a little bit about fiction versus nonfiction. Yes, and yes. There is so much nonfiction out there that reads like fiction because really truth can be stranger than fiction, obviously. Yeah. It's a great yeah. way to get young readers involved too. And our seventh grade English teachers have our students read nonfiction and they may roll their eyes at first, but they have picked the most amazing books. One of them is called Shipwreck at the Bottom of the World. It's by Jennifer Armstrong, and it's kind of short. It's only 144 pages, but there's lots of pictures and things. Okay. It's about Shackleton's voyage to get across the um, the South yeah. Pole in the yeah. 1900s uh, on the Endurance. And it is written so well, and it's just like a like you're on the edge of your seat wanting to know what happened. Just, you know, people overcoming amazing obstacles can really yeah. appeal to young kids. And I think that those real human stories are, are 
Um, well, any story of resilience is going to be good for kids, I think, exactly. in the world they're living in. So Absolutely. anyway. Here's another one. Okay. All 13, the incredible oh, caves rescue of the Thai boys soccer team. So oh. years ago, there's a yeah. huge worldwide news story about some boys that were stuck in a cave in Thailand. Yeah. Okay. So Cougar and I got to go to Thailand, um, the winter of 2019. And I kind of was remembering this and this, you know, that situation from about a year and a half before. And then I saw this book that came out and won a lot of awards for huh. people this year. It's, it's written for, for young people. And it is amazing. Like I couldn't put it down. There's beautiful pictures. There's, um, graphs, there's things that just show where the kids went in this cave and how they got stuck. And it is absolutely incredible. They were stuck three miles into this cave when a flood came and flooded all the areas where they could go down to get out. Does that make sense? Anyway, it's, it's huh. miraculous. And yeah, that's huh. a really, really good one. Yeah. Do you have any more? Okay, so I have a couple more recommendations for fiction. Okay. For young people that I have really enjoyed that anybody could like, and they represent a different voice than what you have typically seen uh, in popular books, maybe in the last 40 years, if that kind oh, of makes good. sense. Yes, yeah, it makes total sense. So one of them has kind of a strange name. It is called Everything Sad is Untrue. Huh. And then in parentheses, it says a true story. <laughs> it is kind of an autobiographical fiction book. That's what the author says it is. Oh, that, oh that's funny. Yeah, and it's um, by Daniel uh, Nayari, and I'm probably saying his name wrong, but he came from Iran as a child with his mom fleeing a group that wanted to kill them because his mom decided she wanted to be Christian. Absolutely incredible. It won the Prince Award for Young Adult Fiction this year, and it's just incredibly interesting and weaves some mythology in with these experiences that this kid has explaining what it's like to come to like Oklahoma in so it's it's just a book that is very heartwarming yet poignant and and serious and has a lot of funny elements all rolled into one I'm probably going to go check that one out before we go we're leaving on a trip this Saturday so I'm so excited to to take some good books for me and then also to read with with Addie so that's awesome well I have one more yeah okay bring it on okay this one isn't brand new, but it's called Restart by Gordon Corman. And this would be a great one to read together as a family or listen to. Okay. Gordon Corman is a great author um, for adolescents. He's just hilarious and teaches really good principles at the same time. Yeah. And this is a story about a boy who was a bully. He was an athletic, good-looking kid. Uh, he was a football player. And then he fell off of a roof and oh. hit his head. And couldn't remember who he was before. Wow. Covered. He found out that he was a bully and that he was mean to people, but he oh. isn't anymore. Like he, he didn't know who his friends were. And then once his, his buddies kind of like, Hey, we're best friends. Don't you remember? He's like, I don't like these kids. They're mean. Yeah. <laughs> and it was just really interesting to see oh. kind of, you know, the story flipped on its head. And uh, very heartwarming. And that is, you know, not a huge commitment, a shorter book, uh, very heartwarming and kind of gives a really good lesson at the same time. Oh, my goodness. I just love some. I, I haven't heard of any of these, I don't think. So that's what I love about, you know, your expertise and what you've exposed yourself to and, and just the knowledge that you have. It's 
It's why you are on the list of most important people. So anyway. Well, thank you so much. It's just wonderful to talk to you and to share things that I'm excited about. Yeah. Is there anything else that I didn't ask that you're thinking, oh, I wish that, you know, I could share this. Any final words or thoughts? I would say just don't be afraid to pick up a book and try it. And if it is your thing, don't feel bound to finish it. Put it down. That's what libraries are for. And find something new until you find what you like and talk to your friends because really your peers are the greatest recommenders of books. And I, and I want to go back to, you know, at some point you said, you know, just helping children find what they're interested in and asking them questions like, what kind of TV shows do you like? Mm-hmm. As you were telling that, I was remembering, you know, you know what it's like on Christmas Eve when you're supposed to go to bed and you're so excited. And so there was probably four or five years, and I'm guessing I was in the 10, 11, 12 age range. And I had this little paperback version of Helen Keller, like the Helen Keller life story. And I could read it in one night. Um, you know, it was probably 65 pages or something. And I would read it every Christmas Eve. (laughs) I don't know why, but it's so funny. You, you said that. And my favorite books today are like historical fiction or, you know, a by a historical biography. Biography, Those are the books that when I pick them up, I can't put them down. And I'm like, oh my goodness, that was, you know, that was one of my favorite books, even when I was a a young person. So you kind of helped me make that connection. It's just interesting. Super cool. At the end of my podcast, I ask all of my guests two questions. Um, the first one is called People, Places, and Things. And you can continue to talk about books and reading and literacy if you would like, but you can also just take this in any direction you want. But can you share with us a person, a place, or a thing that you have experienced or are experiencing or something that has your focus right now? I would say my house is one of my favorite things now that school is out. <laughs> yes, tell me. We're fortunate and blessed enough to be in person all school year. Uh, yeah. With masks but, and on, a, on a, short, a shorter schedule, but we were yeah. there in person, which was a real blessing um, for my girls that are still, you know, uh, seventh, we're in seventh grade and, uh, and uh, 11th grade this year. And for me, as mm-hmm. a person, it was wonderful to be with those kids every day. But now that school is out and we've just returned from a vacation in Costa Rica, I get to be at my house and enjoy my hammock outside with a book. And <laughs> I love it. My naps in my own bed and I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, that is so good, right? That's what we love about home is when we've been away and we can come back. So Absolutely. So- that's awesome. I love that. Take pictures. Now, here's your sister-in-law telling you, take pictures of your home and your hammock and the bed that you like to take a nap in. Those are all good things to do, too. <laughs> um, yeah. Okay. And then my final question for you is, I want you to fill in the blank. I, Hillary, have exactly enough time for? Reading. You can read a little bit every day and make goals. Um even just 10 minutes a day is read with your kids. That's a goal of mine too. I have exactly enough time to read with my girls. Yeah. That's awesome. I've decided this summer, every Tuesday, Addie and I get on the bikes and we ride down to, we have a trail that goes along the river. We stop halfway and we read together on the bench and we're three for three. We're three Tuesdays in a row. It's just awesome. I love it. So I, I like to combine that physical activity, you know, with the reading part. And so far it's just been a good, it's been a good thing. So that is great. That's really, really good advice. Read a little every day and read to your kids. 
So, okay, well, sister, I love you. I appreciate who you are and what you do and everything that you bring to my life and to our extended family. And I just thank you for taking the time to do this with me. Thank you for having me. So fun. So fun to talk to you and talk about things that I love. Yep. And we're, and we have a family reunion coming up, so I get to be with you again soon and get some more book ideas. (laughs) Absolutely. Sounds good. Okay. Sounds good. Thanks, Hillary. Love you. I love you too. Bye. Bye, Stacey. Okay. I'm just sitting here thinking, in addition to how much I really, truly enjoy Hillary, um, I'm thinking, did you know that in all of your storytelling efforts, you could totally record yourself having a conversation with someone you love and admire? What a fantastic idea. You are welcome. (laughs) But seriously, if you enjoyed today's episode, if you learned something, I would love to hear from you. You can leave me a review on whichever podcast app you listened to. You can send me a speak pipe message. Tell me about one of your favorite summer reads. You can just come back in two weeks and I will be here with another episode of Exactly Enough Time. Oh,